following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. Hey, yo! But the queen rises to the top. Here's a smile! All right, Billy. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back, and we are live. We are getting our best friend dog back. (laughs) From the beautiful, brand new Core State Spectrum. Or no, Core State. Brand new. (laughs) Tonight, it's better than when the Flyers win the Stanley Cup and the Sixers win the NBA championship. (laughs) Did you catch that line? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yes. I was delighted he knew who both teams were. I wonder how many, like, if he had to have that on a screen in front of him. I think Jr. passed him a note. Here, that's the damn hockey team in town, Vince. (laughs) They call them the Flyers, not like a high flyer. (laughs) So, um, without um, fail, we got a lot of Philadelphia-centric things. It warmed my cockles since I was in that crowd. Um, so I think right after I had watched this, because it was right before you rewatched it, I think that I watched this pretty pretty soon after we recorded our pre-watch episode. And my feeling was this was a really good pay-per-view. It really was. It really, really was. It was very digestible. Two hours long. There goes the beer. Pop. <laughs> um, and we'll get we'll work our way down to the to the main event. Um, but nothing felt disappointing. I was not disappointed with anything, even our friend Savio Vega. You know what? I will not have you besmirch the name of Savio Vega any longer. She in my research, <laughs> in my research and in my notes, Steve Austin gives him props for helping him find his way when he was becoming a Stone Cold character with strap matches. I, I, um, and I say this every time we record. I feel like I'm hard on Savio Vega for the wrong, like, or for the right reasons. It's nothing to do with, with the man or even with his in-ring ability. Um, I just feel like the fans that turned on the really awful original Rocky Mahavia gimmick. That's comparable. It is comparable. But I would like to also throw out there that Goldust also gave Savio his props. Because Savio in the ring told Goldust to be more flamboyant. Be more I don't know what word I'm looking for but be more flamboyant. Let's leave it at that. You son of a bitch. <laughs> so. I'm going out of Savio Vega for Halloween. I'm going to see if anybody gets it but you. Boy, have you lost your mind? Because I'll help you find it. <laughs> You're letting me hit all the soundboard parts tonight. That's fine. That's fine. We're going to give you some work. <laughs> so, um. But realistically, so they open the match. So it's JBL versus Savio Vega open the card. A very young to the company JBL as well. Um, which 
on my Justin Justin Hawk Bradshaw, I which I didn't, yeah, which I did not even pick up on. You know, when we rent through the car, that this was going to be JBL. Oh, very nice, nice surprise. It was, it was, and I was like, this, wow, you know. So, the Caribbean strap match was great. It's a very underrated um, gimmick match. It allow, it allows you to do certain things. Like it's it's a it's definitely a babyface slanted gimmick match. But yeah, so it was. I mean, Vega was good. Um, JBL was was good. Like this was a very entertaining. It was you know you got there were some. Um, so, uh, later on in the card, there were some ECW chants. So during this first match of the night, very early into it, you get a peek at Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, and a very little bit of Paulie Dangerously. Yeah, and boy, did a 17-year-old me think it was real. Because <laughs> um, this is when I was going to the arena, like, almost every month as well. Like I was I was hitting the cards when I was a teenager. A real man of the people. That I was. Billy D a real man of the people. Interesting factoid that Justin Bradshaw didn't know what the hell was going on. That's legit. Oh, he had no clue. No. Uh Savio was told before he hit the ring by Bruce Pritchard, make sure that big bastard doesn't hit somebody. That's all he was told. He wasn't even told what was going on. Wow. So they 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 worked the boys. They worked a lot of the agents. And uh, as uh, the one story goes, that Jerry Briscoe, an agent, was getting real angry with what was going on, and Bruce Pritchard had to go. When you get out there, tell Paulie Valentine, and that that's how Jerry Briscoe knew it was a work. Work. So um. You get uh, Sandman spits beer, and then oh yeah, I'm and, surprised they didn't let him light up a cigarette. To be honest with you, and then you know does his kind of trademarked um, can smash in his own forehead um, thing, and then you barely get a view of Paulie kind of holding them back. Yeah, it was it was definitely supposed. To, you weren't supposed. It was. It was a work. They wanted you to th- yeah, they wanted you to think it was real, and if they focused a lot on them, you knew it would be too wouldn't. much. Yeah, it would yeah. be too much. It was so, it was well it was well done. I felt so that was well done. It was great because it catches it knocks. So what that does, like what I could felt feel like as a spectator, is it knocks you off kilter, right? You don't feel scripted when that happens. It, it, it you lose a little bit of your bearings. And then you have, right, like, it's like, well, wait, what is going on? You know, um, obviously you're still, right, like, um, you're still into the match because the talent, while knocked off their bearings, kind of went on with their match. They didn't spend that much time with with the ECW fellas. Um, as, as, they, as they should. As they shouldn't, right, correct. It, it, we didn't need a schmoz in the beginning of, uh, you know, in the first, uh, or a pull apart in the first... Um, couple minutes of of a pay per view, but it was good. It, it it keeps you guessing as a spectator. Keeps you guessing. 
Yeah, and that's and, and uh, an- another factoid I I like to throw out there that Taz was also in the crowd in case shit went sideways. Sideways. Also yeah. the Eliminators, I believe. So, um, it was a nice little uh, treat, you know, for it being a Philadelphia thing. Um, for us now being able to look back on what ECW was and becoming and that talent and what the WWF was starting to grow into a little bit at this time. Um, so that strap guy for, for a WWF match, that strap really got a lot of work. Oh yeah, it was definitely stiff. The both of them, the both of them worked stiff. It was great, and that's what made. I guess that's what made it a great. To, for for me rewatching it was it didn't just feel like this like we're gonna dance around the three turnbuckles. It was a great leadoff match. It oh yeah, a, a great curtain yanker, a, a fantastic curtain yanker because you you jump right into it. It's what it's what you would it's what you would ask for if you were booking the show. Yep, I I agree a hundred percent. Um, so uh. So correct me if I'm wrong because I didn't take notes watching. So our next match is Jose Lothario and Jim Cornette. But did did the Brian Pillman angle happen before or after? The after. Host? After, okay. Be after, yeah. All right. So we have Jose Lothario versus Jim Cornette. So Jim Cornette comes dressed as one of the Incredibles. I've never seen it, but I know the image um, of that um, – animated movie and he comes out dressed as like the main male character from the Incredibles it was not flattering whatsoever uh, the good thing is this was basically a, a squash match yes thank god well the, the main event and I kind of remember this now was supposed to be Jim Cornette and Vader versus Shawn Michaels and Jose Lothario. But after Shawn's match with Vader, he wanted nothing to do with Vader, with Vader after that. So they they uh, audibled, and we were left with this 50-second, seemingly a gateway for JR's fat jokes to Jim Cornette. You know what, though? When I looked at it on paper, I'm like, what? I don't want another we're going to play Sapphire's music seven times. You know, like, I don't want another one of these things where the the angle is not worth the amount of time that we put into it. It was it was quick to the point what it needed to be. And it was done. Thankfully. Um, so, it like, even this, what you would expect to be bad filler, was not bad. I mean, just... For everything you might say about James E. Cornette or Jim Cornette or... Um... Well, goddamn, what do you got to say? <laughs> uh, he goes out and it sells it well. Um, does the job. I mean, again, his his in-ring attire, he left a little bit to be desired. But Yeah, he was, he was in a bad way here from what, from what I could gather like he was he's not big in the travel to begin with they right. tra- they were making him travel a lot he was like hate eating he was eating a whole ton of stuff got yeah got so, um as as we've been known to do uh, i can't look i understand it i understand stress and sugar they go together too well 
Um, but nonetheless, at least we didn't have to spend so much time in this match. It, it was in and out. Quick, like a band-aid. Yep. Um, so then we have Slammy Award winner Owen Hart um, comes out with Brian Pillman. And I guess I completely forgot this whole angle with Brett. Oh, it was a good one. Like where Brett basically took his ball and went home after the WrestleMania loss to Sean. Um, it was, and uh, I will. So it, this segment was fantastic, right? Uh, Pillman comes out. Obviously, is Brian. You know, Brian Pillman. Owen comes out. They bring out Stone Cold, um, who was magnificent. Um. But you can't help but be remembered that the two guys who started this like started this segment off are no longer with us. Yeah, it was it was pretty sad to see. I was a huge huge Brian Pill. Oh, guy. flying Brian! Like, I love that whole. Oh, I love the whole loose cannon gimmick. Everything about it was awesome in my eyes. Yeah, he and and he was great as flying Brian Pillman. He was great in this gimmick where he's kind of. Um, going around with the New Heart Foundation, you know, and I think that's what I had, I had called them last time. That's basically yeah. what they were. And, right. um, like, that whole gimmick was great. Like, he just... I don't... He, he, to me, like, maybe not on par with Perfect, but a similar type of guy who maybe didn't fully get their due for how good they actually were. Very, very underrated. And the shame of it was he was well before his time with that loose cannon character. And the, the, knee, the knee injury, the car injury, he never recovered from it. And it would lead to his death, actually, yeah. with the pills. So it seems to me, and you tell me, maybe I'm off base because I don't watch anymore. It seems to me that there are some mirrors with this, Brian, this, this loose cannon Brian Pillman and a little bit of what um, Matt Hardy does. Mm, a little, a little bit. I'm not Matt saying Hardy's it's a ripped. More... I'm not saying it's a ripped yeah. gimmick because it's not. But the like, um, it wasn't Matt Hardy doing kind of a not loose cannon, but an unstable gimmick for a little bit. Or am I completely off? It was more like a split personality. Okay, sort of out there, mysterious gimmick, like a whole, like almost like an alien. Gotcha. I guess guess would be a a reasonable explanation like just out there out there so and, and it's good for me to ask then because since I was barely even a part-time watcher when he was doing that those two things looked similar to me but I also wasn't looking at it fully you know therefore right you know right. I made the wrong inference it got over in TNA it didn't really get over in WWE they dabbled with it now in AEW, and they kind of backed away from it. He's more of like a coach now for the younger guys, like that veteran guy. Well, I mean, he's been in the ring on the big stage since he was like 18. You know, like guys got more knowledge than, you know, he's forgotten more than most people will know. Damn, damn near three decades. Yeah, and, and, you know, done it at every level. A tag, great tag team wrestler, great singles wrestler, you know, um, good working man's singles wrestler. He's forgotten more than a lot of people could could know. So, 
A very, very solid guy and a good guy, too. I met him. Yeah, well, I. The, it's always nice to hear that about people that you like, you know, or that you you think that you like. Um, and I always was a was a fan of the Hardy Boys. Um, and Matt always seemed like everybody wanted Jeff to be it. And Jeff is very there's not a not this is not a knock against Jeff. And I feel like it overshadowed a little bit of how good Matt actually is um, during that time, you know, like little bit after this time during that attitude when they're starting when their their tag team run is starting to kind of hit its its end yeah i i agree with you there jeff was definitely more flashy flamboyant glitzy glamour enigma sort of guy and matt was just the solid the solid technician you know just and could reinvent himself and then we'll get off this. We got off on this tangent because of Brian Pillman. The, the, the Hardy Boys were not involved in this card at all. Um, we, we, we could do an episode on Brian Pillman as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm a big Brian Pillman guy. And maybe we'll have to do a mid-card episode at some point um, where, where, where we talk about these kind of guys because Brian Pillman is one of those names um, that you talk about and – yeah, like unfortunately, an injury, you lose you lose somebody at their peak, and that's tough. It's it, it was a tragedy. The the tragedy being getting injured right in the middle of his prime when he's ready to make the most money of his career, and then he just he just couldn't get off the pills. It's, it's tough you know? to have that yanked away yeah, from you. Yeah, it's it's got to be depressing. It's got to be. You could see it. You could almost see it looking back. Well, I didn't know then what I know yeah. now. You know, I was a 17, 18. I had no idea what the hell was going on. But uh, you could see it in his face. Like, he just wasn't the same. So um, we have this Brian Pillman, Owen Hart, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, Brett the Hitman. But if you put S in front of his name, you know what I think of him. Heart. All right, we're not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but Stone Cold was like you, like this is the character. He is like there, you know. He, he's he's getting red hot right now, coming off the King of the Ring, then uh, going towards Survivor Series against Brett in November. He's he's sweltering. He's brimming right now. Um. So that's great. And then you come out to the to a tag team title match with Owen Hart and the British Bulldogs. So then again, another person that's unfortunately no longer with us. Um, with Clarence Mason, who was part of the Cornette stable, right? He's what, their attorney? Is that the... Yeah. He, he played the Johnny Cochran character. Gotcha. I guess, I guess Vince watched the OJ trial three years after it happened and decided <laughs> they'd be one of them. Um. And they're they're in the ring against the smoking guns. And when we had done the pre-watch, I said this has got to start being the end of the smoking guns run. And clearly, you can see. I, and I said that just kind of pulling it out of the air, just based on the year. But you can see that's totally what they're going for here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because Bart, I think Bart would get injured, and then Billy would do a whole bunch of different gimmicks, managed by our friend and yours, the Honky Talk Man, as Rockabilly. <laughs> um. But Sonny is in their corner, and before the blow up at the end, Sonny is playing this this character really well. 
you know, of pulling. Well, she, Go ahead. She keeps screaming out the name Billy, which really, really warmed my heart. More ways than one. I don't need to know about you know the recordings that may may no exist. No one does. Um, no one does. But but no, no, it helped, and no, it it felt good. Um, so of being the wedge between this tag team, you can see that you know they're playing this angle up that that Billy Gunn is very distracted with their valet. And who wouldn't be at that time? She was Go Birds. And then uh, she fires them. I guess that would lead to their inevitable breakup. Um, well, their inevitable breakup right has to start with Bart Gunn gets shoved into Billy Gunn when he's not when he's arguing with or talking to Sonny, and then he turns around and shoves his partner, leading to the loss. Right, so a classic kind of tag team breakup. Yeah. Tried, tried and true. It works. It's timeless. It's been done and done again. So and it uh, works. It does work. And this match, very good. Oh, absolutely. You can't. Owen Hart doesn't. Oh, Owen Hart is so good. It is such a like. Obviously, every every one of these guys that's no longer with us is a tragedy. But man, Owen Hart was so good. He was excellent. Excellence of execution, if you will. <laughs> and is this before or after the I'm not a nugget gimmick? Before. This is before, before. Um, so he's not a yeah. nugget yet. D- DX actually started calling him a nugget, I believe. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, it was before. So um, then we have World's Strongest Man Mark Henry, who we had to see do a vignette around the different parts of the city. Well, you had to. I mean, come on. You can't, you can't be in Philadelphia and not show the Liberty Bell. That's ridiculous. Um, against Jerry the King Lawler. Another King match. Another King Jerry Lawler match. What do we do to deserve such royalty in Philadelphia? It's that birthplace of independence. But tonight, monarchy rules. <laughs> So Burger King chants all around. And I was not one of them. You were not one I of them. I felt that was very derisive towards Burger King. I was a big Burger King fan back then. Um, I, I think as was I. But um, it seemed like the crowd kind of got tired of this match because I, I believe you started to hear some more ECW chants during this match. Yeah, Mark Henry was greener than vegetables at this time. Like. Which is why you yeah, put I him guess, in. I guess to give him, yeah, with Lawler the better. Yeah. Um, who who doesn't even need to land a lot of moves to sell everything, you know? Like, and that's it was a lot of Lawler selling and and um, jobbing a bit. Yeah, I mean he plays the great foil. Yeah. So. Anything. Um, probably the weakest match on the card. But still entertaining. I didn't. I didn't turn it off, or you know, get up to go make myself a sandwich. Yeah, Mark Henry dressed up as a flag. It's good. What was with the like one shoulder had to have like stripes? It was a very odd onesie that he had on. Not entirely sure how why that was designed the way it was. So, Mark Henry as a professional wrestler doesn't really 
come into his own until he has the um, angle with um, who was it, the fabulous Moolah? Yes, very entertaining. Sexual chocolate. Um. So yeah, they put him in, and it's not like he comes in with the Kurt Angle. You know, like he's a power lifter. He's a big. You know, like it. Different type of athlete when you have that, and when you have a gold medal wrestler. You know. So maybe on a pay-per-view card a little bit soon. Yeah, Vince Vince film always falls in love with the big guy, and Mark Henry's a big guy. I mean, for having not much experience, again, it wasn't bad. Just it may have done everybody a little bit to have some extra work before he's on a pay-per-view card. Yeah, he they, NXT would have been great back then, but they didn't have such a thing, so... Um. For better and for worse, right? Correct. So then we come down to the Undertaker and Goldust in a final curtain match. I'm gonna be honest with you, Bill. I still don't know what a final curtain match is. I if I don't know what it means. I'm gonna try and give you an answer here. I think it means they're not gonna face each other again. Okay. I I don't know why they name it that. Okay, I mean, all right. That that's all I got. For you. Was there like a big building in? Do you remember? Was there a big like Undertaker Goldust feud before this match that they would have to be like, "This is it. This settles it." Yeah, there was a little. I, they they had a few matches. I don't think it was a, a long feud because at that SummerSlam a month before, I believe Mankind fought Taker in a boiler room match. Right. So. I guess, oh, okay, it's the final time they wrestle each other. Um, I, I don't I got, under- yeah. I, I don't, I, I got nothing. <laughs> so, um, also, it seems like a final curtain match is no DQ? That could be. That could be. They weren't explained. It wasn't explained. It wasn't fully fleshed, fledged, or fleshed out, if I can get out of my own way. So, I was hoping Vince would give us some explanation. Yeah. There's curtains in my house, but tonight it's a fire <laughs> Something. Some, something. Something. Just something. So that not understanding what is going on here as far as the why it has a special designation, again, a very good wrestling match. Two excellent, excellent wrestlers. In uh gold dust and taker, obviously. And uh, Marlena, a good, good valet. Um, at that time, she gives Gold Dust a, a secret pouch, which was full of Gold Dust that he not only blew all over the Undertaker, but would end up all over Shawn Michaels and Mankind in the main event. Notice that as well, and Marlena was very go birds as well. <laughs> so um, there's not much to dislike in this match. Uh, Good match from top to bottom. Um, classic Undertaker at kind of maybe the like the height of his athleticism or, or abilities um, or getting there. It's tough. Definitely, definitely near his peak. It's tough when guys wrestle so long to remember just how good they were at their peak. Do you, do yeah, he was he was six years in the company, and this was one of his first times without a. Mr. Paul Bear. Paul Bear. Oh, yes. Um. So, uh, 
you you because of again him going so long and doing so many things you just forget at this time just how like freakishly athletic he actually was such a great athletic big man who could do almost anything um and, and didn't really have to no he did no he did everything well um nothing really to dislike in this match no it was it was solid it was it hit all the right buttons told a great story yeah, and i i feel like what was missing um when we call back a little bit to the cards we watched from you know when we started this series what was missing in that like early mm-hmm. summer slam was in ring storytelling. Like I feel like the match didn't have a good flow. Those matches didn't have a good flow to them, and that's why we kind of felt a little disappointed. It was like they were short, and like there wasn't a like momentum swing. There wasn't really much of um, a build up to those things. That, and when it did happen, it didn't feel like it naturally happened. It was just Hogan shaking the ropes or whatever. You know, like um, it wasn't the same. This had like a very and maybe this is because this is the era that you and I like so much, a very classic wrestling feel to it. Yeah, absolutely. It just, the, the previous SummerSlam, I guess, everything happened so sudden and so quick. Like, there was no build. There was no slow build there. I also wonder, because maybe the ta- the talent that was in that SummerSlam at that time, again, starting to get a little bit older, um, the way that they conditioned their bodies was different. You just couldn't have this type of match, you know, and, and conditioning maybe changed by 1996, where we're at now, compared to 1990. Six years, it seems. It's a it's, world. Yeah, world absolutely. Of difference. Um, 100%. So then we get to the main event, which is Shawn Michaels versus Mankind. And... For as great as this card is and as good as the WWF does, does still does, and did then with production, the, like, a- animated logo that they did for this was v- not good. You didn't like it? No. The, 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 the little skull, you didn't like that? He does have a nice day. It would have made a lot more sense if it was just a yellow face. That's fair. I, I kind of dug it, actually. Really? Well, a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. It didn't. It didn't give me a reaction, and I was angry about it. I just, for everything else being so good, this was something that felt out of place. Like, I feel like we're in this era where wrestling is now becoming more reality based, and you have this Halloweeny logo. Yeah, they, I I guess you could say that, but they're they're kind of in a they're figuring it out. Yeah, they're figuring it out, and I'll we're seeing what works. I can be forgiving with that. I mean, let's not forget a year and three months earlier we had King of the Ring '95. Well, uh, the, like it, you'd be hard pressed to say that other than Savio Vega. <laughs> That this is the same thing. Like it's, it doesn't even feel like that. Like I feel like I'm watching two completely different things. Like, not even like if 
one would be wrestling and one would be, uh, I don't know. You know, like if we call one wrestling, one should be called something different because that's how different of a product you're seeing. It's and they're only 15 minutes apart. It's insane. It's <laughs> um, crazy. And it seems like two different eras almost. Uh, it's, it's not recogn- it's barely recognizable and that's what I meant by calling it something different it's barely, barely recognizable as the same product King of the- I, I can't help but agree with you King of the Ring again King of the Ring 90 what was that 95 you could tell, uh, yeah. you could t- tell how much they are stuck like King of the Ring 95 is much more like SummerSlam 90 that we watched or 90 yeah 90 um, than it is to this. And it's five years after the SummerSlam and only one year between these two. And you can just tell, like, whatever they did as far as booking, and obviously the talent is very different too, um, but whatever they changed in this time, whether it's booking, writing, it, it's head and shoulders. Like, it's not even like, you know one thing you're swimming with arm floaties on and the other you're in a yacht. Like, it's just, you can't even compare them. It's crazy the difference between 15 months. And I guess they had to because the NWO started that June of 96. So we're three months into the NWO, like in the in the WCW into NWO starting is basically... That's a... Ra- so... We, I said it when we did I don't know if it was the last series we did where we picked out our favorite matches or if it was the la or, or if it was earlier in this but like my feeling always is is like you only get better with competition and if that if WCW starting to get good is what it took for WWF to make this product it's a shame it really is a shame they could use a WCW right now to be honest with you well I mean, you always need a competitor. You always need something that's going to push you. You need different ideas maybe coming from the outside because when you control things, you're more likely to shut down stuff that's outside of the box. And sometimes you need to see things that are being done somewhere else to know that you either you have to change or, or whatever. But also it pushes the, it pushes the talent. And this is true in all sports. Guys get better when they know that they have to compete with someone else. That's just the way it goes. Right, it's why like the younger brothers are usually better than the older brothers because they have to compete with the older brother the whole time, who's better, you know, like who's better when they're younger. But you need the competition where like the older brother can get by with just being older. To tie it back to being a child playing sports, um, that's just the way it goes. You need competition. Competition does breed success. Usually. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron and competition breeds excellence. Absolutely. So we get Shawn Michaels versus Mankind. And I am going to say this out loud. And I know that you really like to do the voice. But Paul Bear is great. Oh, yes. <laughs> um... Just he does that gimmick so well, and he doesn't even need the Undertaker to do it, right? So it's better. It was better for the Undertaker to shed Paul Paul Bear, right? It's better for him to move on from needing uh, that manager. 
Um, and it's a great thing for mankind to have as he's being this character is getting launched. Mankind definitely needed it more, I think, at this point than the Undertaker. Oh, one hundred percent. That act could have been getting stale after six years. Yeah, absolutely. But it, with the with the mankind character, it feels fresh again. Definitely agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, whatever we want to call him today, does such a great job as this disturbed character, right? He's pulling his hair out throughout the match. He's ho- holding the urn and rocking back and forth at different parts because he needs the urn for reinforcement for what he's doing. Um, just really well played as this character. And God damn, if these two guys didn't give it their all. Oh, they went at it for a good half hour, right? Uh, it's it's on Wikipedia's twenty six minutes. Um, yeah, and they went at it pretty much the whole time. It was it was high intensity, a lot of great bumps. Oh, fantastic! We get a we get a Spanish announce table um, bump. You get um. Mankind McFoley um, doing what he does best, you know, like he takes some some hefty bumps. Oh yeah, he he was definitely trying to impress somebody here, but he was he was putting it all on the line as was Sean. To be to be expected from both guys, and you never know how it's going to work out. And and this is another guy, I guess. I like I always you always remember like certain things from McFoley. Right, you remember him being slammed through the top of the Hell in a Cell. You remember him coming out as Dude Love, Cactus Jack, um, Mankind. Like there's certain things you remember about him. You remember that he does, you know, uh, take some unnecessary bumps at times. But he's a damn good wrestler as well. You know, like um, he's not just out there to be a bump machine and put someone else over. No, he's definitely not a jobber. He's He's a great, great wrestler. Awesome talent. Very underrated on the mic as well. So, um, for t- for 26 minutes of this match, I mean, obviously, we talked about tables, ladders, and chairs, t- too, at one point, where, like, I kind of felt like I was saying holy shit a lot. And I will say, while it's not that level of, of intense, it had me saying holy shit a- a- enough. It, Sean Sean definitely was at the elite level at this point in his career, the main event level, and he was just hitting his prime as well. It was just a classic, classic match. And he hit. It could have been a WrestleMania match easily. Oh, easily, easily. He hit that that um, takes a running start, jumps off the chair, and hits. I mean, they were calling it a super. He lands like a jumping kick while McFoley is what on the second rope or jumps off. Um, but just a great, great timing, great maneuver, great storytelling. It had everything. It had everything you could ask for, except the clean finish. Didn't have the clean finish you would want. So we have, um, we have a run-in, correct? By your boy Psycho Sid. Actually, uh, Vader. Vader with the run. Vader was the run, and it wasn't Sid. Yeah, and then Sid came out. Um, 
doesn't really add much to such a great match. And um, I'm just... I was entertained for two hours. And, and even this ending didn't ruin it for me, right? I didn't walk away like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. This this sucks. You know, I want my two hours back. Um, I just don't know... Like, save that for your Monday night show. Yeah. That's fair. I think I think just pay-per-views, it should be decisive a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, your pay-per-view, like... So you have one a month, so you're almost running, like, a three-week build-up into your pay-per-view. Like, that's kind of the way it would go, right? And then, like, you do your pay-per-view, and sometimes that angle ends, and sometimes it builds into the next one. And your win should be decisive to set up what's going to happen on Monday, because Monday's setting up me wanting to order the next pay-per-view. You'd like to have it do that, yeah. It's not always the case, though. Well, you gotta again. I guess you gotta make people feel like, um, like we said with the first match, you gotta feel like it's not predictable. But I don't know that I need to see two guys not involved in this match, not that involved in this storyline, in there. I just watched two guys give it their all. Let them have their due. We're not Vince. We, we, we don't know that. I guess. I know they were building Sid up for a Survivor Series against Sean at the time. So, can I... I'm going to ask you something, and, I, and this isn't... This is a little bit of my memory not being that great. And this is a little bit of my memory, the way I remember it, maybe not that true. I remember Sid as always being kind of a perennial main event to towards main event guy. But I don't remember that many of Sid's storylines. They were no, all forgettable. He just, he just had a great look to him. And, and yeah. I'm sure he's a, a wonderful guy. I'm, I'm sure you have to be to keep getting booked into that kind of stuff because if people don't like you, it doesn't matter what you look like. Um, but I... I I remember him always being at or around the main event, and I never really remember met much of his storylines. Yeah, there weren't very memorable storylines, just because you couldn't really trust on the, show you know, up. to play them out. To show, show up. up. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, plus, that's he, half a life. That's half a life right there, showing up. Not, yeah, I know, right? Um, also not the best on the mic um, part of the awful Shockmaster botch and um, maybe the best you know part of the best botch ever and still was giving nothing up to enduring that whole thing he just was not good and that that's what I remember the most about Sid the the uh, Shockmaster? Him, yeah, him being part of the whole Shockmaster unveiling and he's just not good during that whole time. That whole that whole thing. I'm a I'm a Sid guy. You don't you don't seem to like Sid. What, what heat do you have with Sid? 
I don't have any heat with Sid. I just yeah, you get a little heat with Sid. No, no. Oh. I don't. I don't even mind Sid. I think when I was a kid, I loved the Sid Justice thing. So there, maybe there's an angle I remember about Sid. Um, I just there's not much I remember. I remember him being around the main event, and I don't remember that much other than that. Other than maybe when he was the special guest referee and, and went by Sid Justice, and that he was part of the Shockmaster debacle. Very memorable debacle, unfortunately, for all of us. I mean, unfortunately. Unfortunately for the Shockmaster. Fortunately, best thing ever. Same thing. At least it's good to be remembered for something, right? Well, in the Shockmaster was Tugboat, right? Yes. So, Correct, sir. In in Typhoon Tugboat's defense, the whole idea was bad. And I don't know if the whole idea was his, but um, the glittered up Stormtrooper mask that you apparently can't see out of um, and then the idea that you're going to have a dubbed over voice like that just doesn't work like how are you going to have that timed well enough that you're going to be doing the right hand gestures when you're wearing a mask that you can't see out of doom from the start my friend doom from the start and then you know some union guy has to build a, the most secure fake wall ever <laughs> Best wall walking. <laughs> but um, unfortunately for him, that you know, yeah, that's kind of the end of his career. Um, but I remember, oh, yeah, you, you can't come back after that. That's a wrap. That's it. But I remember Sid being part of the whole unveiling of Shockmaster almost as much as I remember the Shockmaster on his knees trying to locate the helmet that fell off of his head. That poor, poor man. So, um, we don't really do scores for the pay-per-views, but what I had said to you is like, this is about as close to a five without being a five as it gets, um, out of five, not out of 10. Um, it was excellent. Definitely four and a half to five stars. I feel, um, I'm sure you enjoyed the Farouk and Mark Marrow hotline promo. Oh, you know I did. You know I called the hotline. I'm sure you did. I'm it's sure no, it's no longer it's no longer connected. I'm sure your dad loved you calling that hotline when you were young, Billy. Good old eighteen hundred dollar phone bill. Never live it down, buddy. <laughs> um so I I will say so oh, and uh, Mr. Triple H was part of a run in. Yeah, he was. Uh, oh, I had it in my notes. I can't find it now. He was. He was in the run-in. He did make an appearance, correct? Yeah, he was part of the run-in. This uh, was when he was doing his penance for the click farewell. Um, but I will say because it's a dark match and we didn't see it, I, I wish that there was tape of um, Triple H and Jake Roberts. Um, would have liked to see, to see that. That would have been nice. Um, and then, so, 
uh, and to come a little bit around because we're starting to come up on our on our time, but not quite. Um, so it looks like for the fans in attendance, I don't know how much you remember being there. That run-in kind of does set up some of the matches later, right? Because then you do see Sid and Vader. Yeah. You're in person, right? So, all right, I'm not the biggest fan of the run-in as a pay-per-view watcher, but as a fan, it makes a ton of sense. It did kind of come together. It stapled the paperwork. And then during the dark match of um, Savio Vega and Marty Jannetty, um, Marty Jannetty and and Leif, what are, what are they calling him? Leif? Leif Cassidy. Leif Cassidy. Um, Al Snow. Um, they were going by the new Rockers. Just a out of touch gimmick. You but never really got over. They run it. They run in a match. Yeah. Yeah. Al Leaf Cassie, I should say, makes an appearance as well. Yeah, but um and then they talk about this so I guess what happened was what they talk about on the card is JBL actually interfered in the Vega Marty Janetti match. Correct. And then Memory you get and then Vega challenged JBL to a match, and that's how we kick off the pay-per-view. Yeah, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the, the free-for-all. Yeah, which, which I don't know why they don't put up the put up on there. I I don't ha- you know I wish I could answer that, but um, I feel like as good as this card was, it probably was even better in person. Which oh, awesome, awesome for my memory. Which I mean is great as a fan. Um, and sometimes when you're there live, you lose a lot of what it means to be watching the televised version. You lose a little bit of that production value and, and all that. Watching on the Jumbotron or the big screen isn't quite the same experience as seeing it all in this, you know, on, on one screen. Um, but it looks like they really, not just was this card good, but they really tried to make the experience overall for the fan really good because there were storylines that all tied together from this card that we didn't get to see as rewatchers. Unfortunately, that was the case, yeah. But I hold this card in great fun. I, I, I can see why. I can it, was see a, why. it was the genesis of the Attitude Era, so to speak. So one thing I had said, and I was hoping that we got on it last time, and we didn't quite, but we're here now. So you you bring up the Attitude Era, and yes, we're we're brushing right there. Like you know, like you can see it. You can you can see where we're headed, um, even though the um, the Montreal Screwjob is kind of used to explain the catalyst for this. But I guess my question, what I wanted to ask you last time, and we didn't quite get there is, um, a certain guy basically pins his whole career on inventing the attitude era. And, um, when I look at this card, I just don't I think that you're right. I think that the Attitude Era is really already in motion. And it's very easy to look back as people who were there to say like, yeah, this is, you know, this is when we broke, um, I don't want to get too wrestling inside um, but this is when we broke the wall down um, and, and did reality. 
but I feel like or did wrestlers as versions of themselves or more real storylines whatever you want to say but I feel like the reality is is we're we're 80% of the way there now in 1996 they were being pushed absolutely towards that I mean you could see it in everything I mean ECW was pushing it to go to that direction WCW with the NWO was red hot you couldn't get away with what they were doing 15 months prior anymore now so like I guess my I guess you and I have talked about it offline in different conversations of reminiscing about you know our times of going to events together our times of going out to watch pay-per-views and whatnot around this era so you and I start working together in 1998 so we're about two years away from when we start going out to watch pay-per-views um, together but um, I feel like the the common feeling has all like WCW really kicks off a reality-based gimmick. And while they were trying to be closer to PG than the WWF cared about being or not being, um, they were they were pushing towards a reality-based gimmick. And I feel like it's... Um, I, I don't know what word to use. Revisionist? to throw it back to it really being the Montreal Screwjob because I just feel like we were already there. That's absolutely fair to say. But I, I guess they say that is the beginning because that started off the Mr. McMahon character and then he did that whole good guys versus bad guys promo that the weeks prior and Anointed it, the Attitude Era. But we were we were definitely getting there. We're knocking on the door here. Boston, yeah. And maybe maybe that happening pushed it to the point of no return, right? Like we've got these fledged characters over the over the edge. Yeah, and we've got these characters. This is definitely the direction we're going in. All right, I can see that. Um. And the owner being a character in in that as well, but I, I I don't know when when did when did Bischoff join the NWO? Was that before or after the McMahon character? Before, right? So way before, well, well, before. well before. Like I feel like he was like the yeah. fifth person in the NWO or, or seventh or whatever. He was one of the earlier. It was before it was everybody. Right, right. It was definitely in '96. So, like, I feel like even with saying the boss as a heel, it doesn't still... Vince McMahon as the heel is better than Eric Bischoff as the heel. And Eric Bischoff was great. Eric Bischoff was excellent. He was excellent. This is not, a, this is not by any means an indictment of, of Eric Bischoff in the, in the heel boss role. By no means is it that. Um... McMahon just he's a larger than life person so um, well well over the top yes so in a lot in a lot of ways 
So, but I guess my point is why we're here saying it is, um, it's do- it's being done or it's been done. So even with how, uh, I I don't know. I don't want to beat I don't want to beat a dead horse, and I don't want to keep hitting the same point over and over again. Um, I just think that we we pin a lot to one thing when really it was a lot of things. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. It was def. It was without a doubt a mixture of a whole lot of different things, of just different characters coming together at the exact moment, the exact right time. A different thought that I had because I, I don't, and again, I don't want to go too far on this because our next pay-per-view I believe is some is WrestleMania. Well, you consult the handy dandy list. You are correct, sir. So we're gonna have you a lot of we're gonna have a lot of time to pull that apart. And I don't wanna go too far off of now, but maybe there's a little bit of you know, if you like what it is we're talking about, you know, when we record our pre show, you'll hear a little bit more about us talking about that. But I guess I had a question for you because it's another thought that I had. Like how frequently do you really have a face at the top of their game at the same time that you have a heel at the top of their game in the same promotion? It's very rare. Which is It's al- almost unheard of. Right, which is also why this era was so good. You know, the the the, the attitude era that we're about to get into, right? It's just you don't get two guys in their prime at their peaks each playing their role with who the face and who the heel are at the absolute top of every part of their game not just their in-ring ability their microphone ability their this the angle so like usually you get either an aging face or an aging heel against a, a someone in their prime and it, it it works because some guys are just transcendent it doesn't matter how old or what they have in the ring but this era was maybe so good because there were so many faces and heels in their prime in their promotion it was lightning in a bottle for lack of a better cliche and it might not be fully fair and to expect that to continue to happen right like it took you know I had been watching wrestling for a long time before the late 90s it took that long for it to happen even with being entertained that whole time as a child um, and maybe it's not fair to expect a once in a 20 year aligning of the stars to just to happen it, like I said it's, it's lightning in a bottle it wasn't didn't happen before and obviously hasn't happened since it just everybody everybody in their prime at once it just doesn't happen that way now so um i guess uh our next episode will be a pre-watch of what is that wrestlemania 15 it is i'm sure you have the ticket stub no i i do not i do not i used to I'd have Very to go in. I'd have to go into my basement. I just don't think I do. Um, do you still have it? I'm sure I do somewhere. Yeah. I can't imagine the ink is very readable at this point. Just those tickets, the they don't hold that well. 
I know it's there. That's all I need to know. In my heart of hearts, I know I have. So I know I didn't throw it out. I can put it to you like that. So um, I don't want to. Ah, I lost my headphones. <laughs> Why? Why? Why did that happen? Um. Anyway, I don't want to get off too much into that episode, but obviously the cat is a little bit out of the bag. Billy and I were at that WrestleMania um, together. Um, so when we do go back and watch it, it will be the first time I'm actually watching it um, on a screen and not in person. Tears in my eyes, buddy. Tears in my eyes. Um, but that is the first of our pay-per-views that we'll be watching that is very long. It clocks in at three, I think. My clock in at three hours. I mean, I don't... I, I don't think this is where they went to four yet. No, but... But... Um, it wasn't. I, it definitely was not four, but it also was the time where the fourth hour was just on Sunday Night Heat. Yeah, which I don't think we're going to get on the network. No, I don't expect to. But that's so. It was four hours worth of programming. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about going down in the event um, on the pre-watch. Um, but obviously we're going to be a lot more familiar with that card because we both were there. So. It brings fondness. Fondness back to me. So, um, obviously we both came away from this card feeling very good. We liked every match, really, even uh, Lothario and Cornette. Um, I would recommend anybody who's listening to this that didn't go back and rewatch it, if you're a wrestling fan and you are able to, go back and rewatch it. It's very entertaining. And it's a quick watch, too. It's a very quick two-hour watch. Yeah, it's not like, you know, you're, you're punching in for, like, a Bourne movie. That, definitely comparable. It flows. It's definitely not one you got to stop for halftime for. No, no, no halftime, and it's it's more a Bourne movie and less a, like, Godfather. Or a... PBS documentary, which seemed to be like the king of the ring '95. Um, that thing dragged like Ken Burns baseball. Oh man! Um, if I never have to watch that again, my life will be full. We won't have to. I promise you, we won't have to. Yeah, I don't know. So, unless we're taken under hostage somehow, and that's the torture. It was torture. Ugh. Ugh. Um, so yeah, um, that brings us about to where I like to have our episodes be, um, unless there is anything you want to add about this card. Do you, I don't know if you have anything in your notes that we didn't touch on. No, I, we touched on everything I had in my notes, actually. Okay. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. There was a, uh, a cameo by fake razor and diesel. Well, uh, uh, there was a promise of diesel and razor being there. And then we saw them run very fast into the locker room. Apparently they were very afraid of the camera. Yes, I mean, because that's what Razor Ramon was known as being, afraid of the camera. What a terrible, terrible storyline. Well, I mean, they just had to try and, right, that's that's a personal thing, taking business personal, and then just trying to trash the gimmicks of guys who just left because they got paid. It just, it just, brings more people to want to watch the other product. It doesn't make I'm, any sense. I'm with you, but um, 
that was going to happen anyway. The other product was better at that time. It was definitely more surprising, I feel. Had an anything could happen type feel, which took a little while for Raw to develop. But Nitro, almost from the start, from Lex Luger walking out, was the happening show, the one where anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, it event it takes years for that to wear off too. Even as the NWO gimmick get, I don't even want to say gets stale. Just has eighty percent of the talent in it, so therefore it's very tough to have storylines there when it's a hundred people versus like you know Diamond Dallas Page. Doesn't lead to a lot of believability. No, it's just. Eventually, when the whole storyline is surprised on who's going to join, everybody's joined. It, just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't. We'll, we'll get there at some point. Well, but... I'm sure we'll do some kind of WCW series, too, because... Yeah. I think but that we owe it to, to some of these things that we're talking about consistently. We owe it to watch those and again see if we remember them as being as good as they were um, so all of that being said um, this was the uh, watch episode of In Your House Mind Games 1996 at the brand new Core State Center and, brand spanking new mind games <laughs> and um We'll be back with a pre-watch of WrestleMania 15 next week. See ya.